Welcome to what the if. We're doing a tight show this morning because Gabby is off to the lab. Uh, what's waiting for you in the lab? I have made the terrible, terrible mistake that every molecular biologist always does, which is the burden of time points. So I have been hauling myself to the BSL-3 every six hours, which included Oof. a whopping 3 a.m. run uh, <laughs> to get myself in a full PPE, collect a little liquid from some wells, put it in a tube, put it in the freezer, go back to bed. Wow. Uh, now, from my experience of science fiction movies, what's going to happen is tomorrow night you're really tired at 3 a.m. and you'll accidentally knock over the vial, releasing the virus that kills all of humanity, right? Yeah, you know, I was really hoping I'd knock over like the super serum because that would be a lot more fun. Oh, that would be cool. And then, but yeah, they could have a lot more stable racks than they put the, uh, you know, the the vial with the little uh, skull and crossbones labeled mm -hmm. "total death, do not knock over." Um, <laughs> a little bit more unstable ah. all right well good luck yeah I fingers crossed next, ne next week we'll, uh, we'll follow up on that story and we'll see how it went um so getting started this week because we're under a time point time point pressure um daniel uh from colorado one of our super 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 ifers writes in and he says, um, what if the world was like this? And he paints a picture. What if the best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a random good guy with a gun? And that's all every that's all anyone has. They're only, in other words, the minimum um defense mechanism, if you use it for defense, is weaponry. And he says, uh, stopping, <laughs> no, I thought this was funny. He's already qualifying. Stopping just short of personal nukes. Daniel whipped out. <laughs> uh, your neighbor, now this is where it gets good. Your neighbor gets an attack helicopter. So you better stock up on shoulder-fired surface-to-air missiles. Your neighbor gets a tank. Well, you should probably have rocket-propelled grenades. It's like a mini Cold War everywhere. Love the show. Keep up the good work, Daniel, from Colorado. So I don't know if this has anything to do with living in Colorado. I don't know how things, I hope things are okay out there. <laughs> uh, or, you know, um, Daniel may be playing a lot of video games, which I support. I think that's excellent. Um, but what it raised was an interesting question, actually, aside from the horror of imagining it, uh, and yet the laughter I have when I imagine it in cartoon form, which I believe is how Daniel is thinking um it reminds it's it's an evolutionary question you know how is it that um what happens when you have a mutation right within a species or an ecosystem that gives some another creature an advantage right or one creature an advantage over its sisters or brothers um how does equal how does evolution balance that out and what happens when it gets completely out of whack. And so, Gabby, you were saying uh, this this note from Daniel inspired you to think of, I believe, the insect world? 
Yeah, so there are a lot of insects which are sort of masters of chemical warfare. Um, because for bugs, it's actually very common to create certain weird chemicals. Um, and so immediately I thought of uh, bombardier beetles, which are really fun. They they literally secrete a, like, they, they combine two chemicals together in their abdomen and secrete basically a boiling hot chemical soup that can yes. kill other bugs that attack them. It is a little insane. I definitely encourage you to, to look at it. There are also <laughs> ants with, with formic acid. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, chemical munitions stored in the bodies of the bug world. And so what the if... It's like a mini Cold War everywhere. Has, does this, this kind of thing does happen in evolution, right? You get, I, I suppose it reminds me of invasive species or something, where something comes in that's got a completely out of whack. Um, yeah, there's sort of the, the central metaphor of Darwinian evolution is competition for resources. Um, right. And that resources might be you and I are both trying to eat the same uh, piece of fruit um, and one of us gets it and one of us doesn't. Or it might be you are trying to eat me, right? I'm trying to keep my own resources for myself right. um, and you're trying to get them. You are um, a resource for me. Exactly, right? So uh, so we often get this kind of language of, of competition. Um, uh, and uh, because we are humans, that means we think of it in these political terms of uh, like the arms race. Well, interestingly, you know, it's not, yes, political, I suppose, but like it reminds me of there used to be Neanderthals, right? And they they were defeated, it seems. That they is were. not what happened. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought it was like a red and blue. No. But we, what happened? We, we, um, we merged with them? Or? Yeah, we kind of interbred with them. Yeah, so yeah. if you have European ancestry, congratulations. You have, I think it's like anywhere from 1% to 4% Neanderthal DNA. Right. Um, in 2001, in the opening, mild spoiler alert, you have these early humans, right? People call them apes, but they aren't in the movie. They're not actually, well, they're early humans. Um. And one of them learns that if he picks up a bone uh, from a, like a water buffalo or something, and he whacks the guy who's trying to take the water from the water hole on the other, the, the tribe on the other side, he's defeated them. He has a weapon. And then he throws that bone into, into the sky and it turns into a spaceship as we jump forward to the present day. And uh, interestingly, a lot of people don't know, and, and Kubrick interestingly left this quite subtle, that spaceship that it turns into uh, was actually a, a space-based uh, missile platform. What Kubrick oh, sorry. was hoping to in detail. To, yeah, to show. And, and when you think about it, you can think of a missile as being like a, a bone, you know, and, and it's a long, if you go back and look at it, it's a long shape. The, the ship is supposed to look a little mm -hmm. bit bone-like. All right. Yep. Um, but eventually, the uh, the apes on the other side of the watering hole, let's call them the Soviet Union, uh, developed their own bones to fight back, right? Um, would, uh, oh, sorry, and then we reached mutually assured destruction, so to speak. Um, is there any equivalent of this in nature, 
do we know that like one that members of the species contain the ability to destroy the entire species uh, I don't think any I don't think the ants have advanced that far, but of course, God help us if they do. Right. Um, but what I will say is, you know, the the idea of, you know, one tribe figures out, you know, they they figure out tool use. The other tribe, who assumably has the same mental capabilities because they're the same species, watches them, figures out tool use, and now they're at the same point. Yeah. This is kind of something that you see, you know, evolutionarily, but on the pattern of, you know, adaptation to um, acquire resources or maybe get a weird defense mechanism where you know, over the time that it takes an organism to evolve something as complicated as, you know, the chemical reactions in a bombardier beetle, whatever is also living in the area may also have some subtle shifts to maybe perhaps cope with being shot hot chemicals in the face. Um, this may be that you find that the reflexes of insects that live near there might be a little faster. Maybe they're better at recognizing what one of them sounds like when it comes by or recognizing the color pattern and be like, we don't mess with that dude. Um, but there is sort of a give and take. And so there's something in, you know, evolutionary theory called the red queen hypothesis where you run uh, faster and faster just to stay in the same place that all of your evolution is not a scale up a ladder. It's you staying in the same or maybe slightly moving in ecological niches. Um, but overall you're not, you know, all of a sudden becoming the animal equivalent of a thermonuclear bomb. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, and animals don't. So, as far as we know, no animal possesses the, the whatever their equivalent of a nuclear bomb would be. Let alone actual nuclear bombs. There, there's an interesting what if. What if another species develops nuclear weapons? Um, now, Matt, it's interesting because you you mentioned po politics, and uh, of course, the solution that has actually been fortunately successful so far. Uh, has been negotiation and things like that between the different tribes, right? Mm -hmm. um, how does that fit in in an evolutionary? How, how can we see that from a sort of... Uh, well, so there's sort of two kinds of arms races. There's the arms race we had in the Cold War, and there's the arms race that led up to World War I. Um, and uh, the arms race that led up to World War I was the situation where everyone was trying to get ahead of each other, and as soon as um, one nation felt it was ahead of the other or was in danger of being passed by someone else, they would then start a conflict. Um, and that's what people meant by arms race, something that would lead to a conflict. And then the arms race we had during the Cold War was like, like the Red Queen hypothesis that Gabby was just talking about, um, is we kept stockpiling weapons, but with the intent to not use them. So there's, there's kind of two possibilities. You can have an equilibrium um, or you can have a dynamic situation in which things are changing uh, very quickly. So in evolutionary terms, um, the equilibrium one is the competition for resources has settled into a place where no one has any particular advantage. Um, but in evolutionary terms, when if you have a World War I style arms race where some species does get a sudden advantage over another, um, then you've got an extinction coming or something similar to that. Right? And I consider this like what Phil was talking about with invasive species. Invasive mm -hmm. species come in with something new or something that's a little bit too powerful and there is no check on them by, you know, some animal that's capable of eating it. Um, I think of cane toads in Australia where they are wicked poisonous and they reproduce really fast and they just took over. And so they are only predators 
are car tires and then crows, which have figured out how not to eat the poison. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you see it that way, that like these, you know, powerful weapons for humans, we become our own invasive species within ourselves. Um, you know, it's a, uh, we could, you could run away. You could just, well, obviously, you know, uh, a nuclear, <laughs> nuclear bombs going off. Um, is it, let me ask you this. Is it unique in evolution as far as we know, Matt, this situation of a species having the ability to completely, let's, I mean, wipe themselves out and, and not to mention collateral? Um, no, damage. I can't think of any equivalent. I mean, this right. is, the, this is the, the great benefit that humans bring to, uh, to the planet is uh, global style um, impacts of our actions. Right, right. And I guess ultimately evolution would um, work itself out in that if that no, evolution, just which is just a process, doesn't care what happens, right? And so if there, you know, there uh, is a global apocalypse, um, Earth don't care. Uh, yeah, you know, George Carlin used to have this routine back in the day, right? That, you know, talk about save the earth, uh, the earth will be fine. Um, it's the people who live on it that are going to have a problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's very good. Oh, was great. Um, and so the role, this is kind of fascinating to me because what it becomes is it seems to have fueled a intellectual war perhaps, or a, the, politics, diplomacy, this kind of thing is a skill as well. Would you say, I mean, is it, is it, could it be that this, having this situation is leading us evolutionarily to a new place? Well, I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't credit all this to evolution unless you mean uh, the more like general well, I was blaming, but sure, biological term. Uh, Because there was there was no part of our ecological niche that required us to develop nukes. However, a byproduct of part of our evolution as social creatures is that, you know, throw back to our animal language episode. You know, we did develop language. We did develop ways to share ideas. Mm -hmm. um, And that was very helpful, coupled with a couple of other things, including, you know, uh, thumbs and tool use, um, which has led us to this point. And so now that we have this sort of, I guess you could say, well, society, but within it, maybe you could say like a pseudo evolution of what's successful for us as countries. Um, we get, you know, the development of things like, you know, diplomacy and negotiation as a way to deal with ourselves and what we've made. Yeah. I wonder, do you think that one outcome I see of this is that, for instance, one thing we know about humans, and I'm curious whether I suppose the same for all species, but that we seem to always want to move, to move outwards, right? To just keep expanding. Um, and it might be that part of that is motivated by trying to get away from each other. So to take go back to Daniel's if, it's like, what if everybody, you know, up in close quarters, you know, was decided that they could use these. Anyway, you get into this crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Hatfields and the McCoys kind of neighborhood with the, the fighting families. Um, so moving outwards, it, it could be that, again, there's another evolutionary outcome that means things spread further. I mean, it could be that humans left Africa because <laughs> the neighbors sucked. The neighbors were very loud. So, you know, well, we should I mean, start working, walking north. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same kind of competition for resources. So if you and I are uh-huh. competing over this same piece of fruit, one solution is that I should go to a different Christetti's um, and look for a piece of fruit there. Um, and that's a totally fine solution to the problem. We both have the resources um, that we need, right? The problem is when um, they lock us both in the same grocery store uh, and we can't leave and then we are competing for the same resources. So in evolutionary terms, those comp- those the, that, that strategy, go look someplace else, um, can be geographical I'm a bird and I'll fly to a different island and see if there's something better there. Um, But also in the sense of an ecological niche too. So if we're both competing for the same kind of fruit, um, maybe I'll develop an adaptation that lets me eat a different kind of fruit that you can't. Um, So this gives us the the classic Darwin's finches, for instance, um, in which uh, uh, we, we evolve the ability to eat different kinds of seeds. So then we're not competing directly with each other anymore. Uh Uh, And we can be, we can live in harmony. Right, right. I'm seeing this as, uh, you know, they say life finds a way. I would say uh, maybe life finds a way to get away from, to have more room. Uh, And so ultimately, this is what's going to fuel our expansion into the solar system. Because we just can't, you know, we've we've made it too dangerous for ourselves uh, on Earth, which is true even just in ecological terms. So, um Interesting. So, yeah, this was just like a quick, like a, I don't know, what, what we call this, like a, a philosophical uh, episode where we put our hand on the stove, right? So like, Whoa! Uh, listeners <laughs> at home, don't put your hand on the stove. Don't put your hand on the stove. No, no, we call the philosophical stove. Um, and so, Daniel, thank you for doing that. Uh, Gabby, I, you know you have to run and you're going to feed some creatures uh, or cells? What? I'm going to take some liquid off of some cells, put it in the tube, and freeze it to figure out how well virus replicates in some cells. Oh, wow. And um, what would the cells think of that as you're coming in now? What do you think the cells are thinking as soon as you arrive? Oh, God, not this girl again. She was in at three. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for listener context, I've been in every six hours. So it's, you know, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and then... 3 a.m. So, and now 9 a.m. again. All right. All right. Well, congratulations. So the cells are getting to multiply. Is that what's happening? Uh, no, the they're, they're dying they're, a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Not, it's right this point. Yeah. So right. little, little tiny cell funeral I'll have in the BSL-3. Oh. <laughs> for science. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you, Gabby. Thank you for all you do uh, in that virus, in that virus situation. And um, uh, tune into the news for viruses, you know, to get the other side of this story. Like the news for badgers, Monty Python. Um, Gabby, anything you want to plug? Any 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 place you want to point people? Um... You know, I have no plug besides get vaccinated, man. Yeah, it's uh, it is much more common now. You can get it just about anywhere. I think New York started walk-ins mm-hmm. at places. Yeah, right. And uh, I guess if you're a person that's hesitant, just write into the show. We've got a virologist here. That's me. Um, and we can, uh, and maybe I can spend a little bit of time telling you why it it works out. Well, you should probably get it. Yeah, let us know your experience. Feedback at whattheif.com. Your experience either getting it or or otherwise. Um, feedback at whattheif.com. And uh, on Twitter, whattheifshow. Uh, Matt, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, not at the moment. All right. Get your shot. Uh, so I believe in New Jersey, they are saying you they, they have a program where you can get a shot with a shot, which is a classic Jersey. You, in other words, you get a shot. 
and then you take your receipt for your vaccine shot to any local bar and you get a free shot. Oh, nice. And drink. That's a good solution. Blessing. Very good. Very good. So New Jersey has an interesting health plan. Let's not talk about the unexpected outcomes of that one. So happy summer, everybody. Get your vaccine. Enjoy it. And we will see you. Well, we'll talk to you. And we'll imagine seeing you next week on What the